It was a very cruel scene, executed in an unusual manner. Hey, Cruel Coven. Hey, freaks and geeks. Welcome to Cruel and Unusual, the podcast. I'm Tori. I'm Katie. Do you know that feeling when you're doing laundry and you're switching the clothes from the washer to the dryer and you're bending in there and you're throwing them in and you're bending back down and getting more and you're throwing them back in and you're just like, oh, is this going to be over anytime fucking soon? But you keep looking in there and there's still more. Mm -hmm. That's what life's been like lately for me. Yeah. And it's a bottomless pit either way. (laughs) Yeah. Also, my fucking washer is so goddamn high. And I'm not short, but I'm not tall. Yeah. And so it hits me right at the fucking underboob. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. And it fucking hurts. (laughs) (laughs) And it hurts so bad to try and lift myself over Mm -hmm. that to not get my tit at all. It's my back that that does it for me when I'm doing that. I'm just like, fuck. This is way too much exercise. There's a sock stuck to the side and you think you're done, but then there's a fucking sock. Then there's a little fucking baby sock (sighs) down there fucking around and you're just like, God damn it. But anyway, yeah, that's life. Mm -hmm, It's like, I think I'm getting close to be done and maybe i can take a day where i don't have to do anything <laughs> yeah nope forgot about this yep. nope forgot about that yep. god suck my dick life and i keep fucking saying yes to things and i'm just like why do i do that yeah because then i fucking hate my life and i have terrible anxiety is it because you genuinely like the idea or yes. because you in don't want to say no in the beginning i genuinely am excited then that's when you need to fucking slap yourself <laughs> be like wake up tori you're doing yeah. too much yeah yeah, I need to do that, but I won't. No, he won't. But I need to. <laughs> do you have the question of the day? First, yeah. before we do the question of the day, I want to address Miss Chloe Rose. Oh, she had a question for She you. had my question. These were from our Insta story like a week ago or two weeks ago or whatever year it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She wanted to know about like my feelings on the really fucking important topic of cream cheese on bagels. On blueberry bagels. (sighs) On my blueberry bagels. Blueberry bagels are the only bagels that are good enough for me in my stomach. I don't put cream cheese on my bagel. Do you like cream cheese? I've never tasted cream cheese in my life. Are you fucking kidding me? I bet you've had it in things and didn't know. Well, yeah. I mean, I've had it like in like those really bomb ass M&M cookie things, those bars that my Mm. grandma makes. She puts those in there. I can't do cream cheese. It's too much. It's too like thick and like. It's thick and and pasty. I don't like it. I don't like like the taste of it either. Sorry, Chloe. (laughs) Sorry, Chloe. I hope I didn't just disappoint you. So I do spray butter. So I'll do the top first and then I'll do the bottom. And then is when the counting begins after I already have it soaked in butter. Oh my God, you soak it in butter. I just need to have my cholesterol be the highest it can be. I soak it in, I can't believe it's not butter, spray. And then... The counting starts. Three additional sprays, alternating sprays. Spray butter. That's fucking fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, and it's also for the lazy bitch. I and forgot I it am existed, one. but I don't use butter a whole lot unless I'm cooking, and it's like I oh, only use one butter. tablespoon of butter. So I'm like, here, half a stick of butter. Why not? <laughs> I only use butter on my bagel. Yeah, I don't unless I'm cooking, which I don't really do. So yeah, yeah so Chloe, I don't eat cream cheese. If you have a cream <laughs> cheese that you recommend that doesn't taste like cream cheese and maybe has like a little flavoring to it, let me know and I could try it on a plain bagel, not on my blueberry bagel. So that was the long way around to the answer to that question. Only the best for my little Chloe Rose. The question of the day is also from our Insta story and I can't remember who asked it, but I will maybe see if that's still available to see. I don't even know. Anyway, sorry, (laughs) I can't shout you out. The question is, which serial killer 
would you like to sit down for a meal with? Definitely not Dahmer, because the meal would probably turn into me being eight. He liked to eat men. That's true. You would probably be safest with him, actually. Yeah, that's true. I truly well, don't think I would want to sit down and eat with any of them. I don't but... think I would want to either. And if I did, it would probably turn into me killing them for revenge for whoever <laughs> right. they killed. I know. It would piss I would me just off. go all fucking vigilante, justice warrior. I would take one for the team, and I would say Golden State Killer because Ugh. I don't want to be near him. Ugh. But, however, he's not talking. Ugh. And I'll fucking make him talk. I'll make him talk. And it will be by means of torture. Yeah. Waterboarding. (laughs) Sticking my fucking foot down his goddamn throat. (laughs) People who know me in real life probably listen to this podcast and are like, I would have never imagined you to be so fucked up. Imagine it. Imagine it. Imagine it. So we're combining our efforts again this week to bring you this, mostly because this case is so long. And if one of us did it and one of us did another one in the same episode, it'd be like 14 hours. So we will go back to our own cases and stories at some point. But we just wanted to get some of these heavy hitters done. Yeah. So take it or leave it. But please, will you take it? Stick your hand out. Open your palm. Accept it. Accept this gift. Accept the gift because once you accept it and you embrace it, then you can truly start living it. Living as your true self. Mm-hmm. In Hawaii. And then you can go on your Facebook stories and you can tell people in a very discreet way how you make your money and that they need to come to you. I'm an influencer. <laughs> they need to come to you. <laughs> so you too can be a millionaire. <laughs> Who wants to be a millionaire? Okay. Who wants to be a millionaire? (laughs) Okay. So we are going to be talking to you today about the ruthless, conniving, cunt Richard Ramirez. Honestly, though. Yeah. This one, it's terrifying because he didn't give a shit. Nope. He did not give a shit. He didn't care who you were, how old you were, what color you were, what gender you were. Yeah. You typically, with serial killers, a lot of time you can see a pattern. Either they love to kill men and that's primarily what they kill or they love to kill women or they love to eat people or they love to slash throats mm-hmm. richard ramirez didn't have any no. kind of pattern at all he was just brazen murdering cowboy and judging by his early life which is what i'm going to talk to you about it's kind of sad because that's really what fucking led to it mm-hmm. was a combination of a lot of fucking shit And I don't know, do you believe, here's a question for you, do you believe that serial killers are born or bred? I think it's both. Or what's that word? What is it? Nature versus nature. Yeah, nature versus, are they born or are they bred? I think both, because you know what, there's plenty of people that have horrific childhoods that don't feel the need to grow up and murder people. Right. And then there's people that have idyllic childhoods Mm -hmm. and go on killing sprees. So. I think it's both. It's a combo? Yeah. Okay. I think there are definitely childhood things that can affect this shit, but not always. Sometimes it's just a fucking little ping in your brain and you're yep. like killing. So, yep. quote, I gave up on love and happiness a long time ago, end quote. This is a direct quote from The Night Stalker, which is Richard Ramirez. Before the Night Stalker gave up on love and happiness, he was just a boy, a product of his environment, a child learning monstrous ways who never had a chance to become anything other than a ruthless killer, some would say. Before we jump into the horrendous crimes he committed, let's take it back to where it all began in El Paso, Texas on February 29th, 1960. Richard Ramirez was born Ricardo Leva Munoz Ramirez to Mexican immigrants, the youngest of five children. I Would you really... care to explain to our audience why you're laughing? 
<laughs> you can probably tell that I said that with a smile on my face because I can't fucking pronounce his goddamn name. His name is Ricardo. That's what he was born. Mm-hmm. Okay. His mother, Mercedes, I could get that one, had a very difficult pregnancy with Richard because the chemical, f- and yeah, listen to this. Did you, you probably read it. The chemical fumes that she inhaled at her job at a boot factory caused her body to try and reject her growing baby. Back then in the 50s and 60s and obviously before then, there weren't regulations like there are today and there still really aren't great regulations. So employers could pretty much put their employees in any dangerous situations. Now that isn't to say that they even knew at the time that the work environment was dangerous Mm -hmm. because there weren't as many testings and things like that. So I'm not saying that all of the employers were pieces of shit. But, but it was just, just kind of like, oh, you're, it's fine. Yeah. Or they didn't even think about they it. They didn't. It was because just normal. It just wasn't a thing. If you guys hear thunder in the background, it's because there's thunder in the background. It's because I'm walking around. <laughs> when he was two, he was hit in the head by falling furniture. At five, he was hit in the head and knocked unconscious with a swing at school. He started having seizures and he was diagnosed with epilepsy. Richard's father was extremely abusive to not only him, but his siblings and mother too. It's said that he used to seek comfort in cemeteries. Oh. Mm-hmm. Often sleeping in them instead of going home, trying to avoid his father. Hmm. Which is fucking sad. Yeah. Anyway, look at it. When he was five. He hadn't killed As anybody As a five-year-old, yeah. In the early 1970s, Richard started smoking weed and hanging out at his cousin Miguel's a lot. Not Miguel. The, not the weed. Yeah. <laughs> not the weed. Not the marijuana cigarettes. Not those plants. <laughs> Miguel, who was nicknamed Mike, which a lot of the sources online just call him Mike. Mm -hmm. He was a Green Beret Army vet who served in the Vietnam War. Miguel would tell Richard all of his war stories, so you can imagine. I mean, the Vietnam War was obviously extreme. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a cool cousin was telling him about his Friday night date. You know what I mean? Like, he was actually telling him about a lot of brutal shit. And the thing about Vietnam is a lot of those men did not sign up for that shit. Right. They were not willingly going to war... Signing their name on a dotted line, they were being told and forced to go. Yeah. He described in detail, he being Mike, described in detail the rapes that he committed while stationed in the army. He also had Polaroid photos of him posing with a severed head of Mm. a woman that he had raped and killed. Wow. Yeah, piece of shit. Richard was 10 at the time that he was hearing these stories. (laughs) So Miguel slash Mike taught Richard military skills, like how to capture and kill people. On May 4th of 1973, Miguel and his wife got into a really bad argument. It ended up escalating quickly, and Miguel ended up shooting his wife in the face, and Richard was there and saw all of that go down. Yeah. Miguel spent four years in the state mental hospital because he was deemed mentally incompetent, not guilty by reason of insanity. So Mm -hmm. he went away for four years for shooting someone in the face. Yeah. Well, you know what? PTSD wasn't a thing back then. You fucking pull your big boy pants up. Right. And you don't fucking talk about it. Right. Exactly. I'm actually surprised he even was deemed incompetent. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't just put him in the prison. Yeah. Not that it's okay to shoot or, you know. No, but things were different. But yeah. Yeah. The PTSD was not. Even today, it's not fucking taken care of. Well, nobody talks about it. Right. And the fucking VA sucks. Uh I don't care. I will fucking go on record saying that. I've seen it firsthand. It fucking sucks. Now, Eddie Mylam was Richard's best friend as a child. He reports that he knew something was wrong with Richard and remembers when he began to change. He said he dropped a lot of acid and eventually Eddie started seeing him resort to stealing and then he began his peeping Tom fetish thing that he had. Mm Mm-hmm. Richard's parents sent him to visit his brother, Reuben, and he started getting into pornography. 
Ruben taught him how to properly break into homes. Just properly. Yeah. How to properly break into a home. Here, I'm not going to teach you how to, you know, roller skate or hit no. a baseball. We're going to no. break into homes today. Yes, because that is what the cool thing to do Motherfucker. is. Motherfucker. That is our way of life. And by when I say breaking into homes, I mean things like picking locks and disabling alarms. Huh. Richard moved in with his sister and her husband, Roberto. Roberto was a peeping Tom. He would take Richard around with him. Like, this is just fucking normal. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. (laughs) So Roberto would take Richard around with him at nighttime to peep in windows, which is fucking just creepy as fuck, like thinking about it. Richard basically just bounced from shitty place to shitty place to shitty place. So he wasn't safe at home and he went to Miguel's. Certainly wasn't safe at Miguel's, so he went to his sister's and he wasn't safe there either because of Roberto. I think it's important to note that while his shitty early life doesn't mean he had an excuse for his later life and all of the horrible things that he did, it's still such a vital piece to the puzzle that is Richard Ramirez and so many other serial killers. A lot of them have this bad home life environment, no love, neglect, bouncing around from different homes, and especially head injuries. And all of these things combined really just add up and make the perfect recipe for a serial killer. Mm -hmm. As a teen, Richard had violent sexual fantasies. In school, he worked part-time at a Holiday Inn. He would enter into the rooms and rob guests. Just normal shit, Mm -hmm. you know? One night, there was a husband and a wife, and the husband went out, so Richard went in and tried to rape the wife. The husband came back and found him raping her or trying to rape her, and what ended up happening was the couple refused to fucking testify. Mm -hmm. They were from out of town, um, so they didn't, number one, they probably didn't want to keep her living that night, and number two, they didn't want to travel back for court dates yeah. and things like that. They just wanted it to be done with. Exactly. So Richard got away with the crime, but he did lose his job at the Holiday Inn. Oh, How torturous. Richard. Yeah. His childhood friend that I spoke about earlier, Eddie, also said that he tried to molest two children on an elevator there. Mm-hmm. That was only in one source, but it was there. So he dropped out of school in the ninth grade. Me too, basically. <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> I know. You went back, though. I did go back. I, I righted my wrongs. After dropping out of school in the ninth grade, in 1977, he was arrested for the very first time, despite all of these other crimes that he had already fucking committed, mm-hmm. and it was for marijuana possession. There isn't a ton of info about like the time between his dropout until the age of 22 when he decided to move from Texas to California. His marijuana addiction progresses to a cocaine addiction after he gets out to California. Who knows really when he started that, but right. that's just what one of the sites said. He also continued burglarizing homes and cultivating his interest in Satanism. He was arrested two more times once he got out to California, first in 1981 and then again in 1984, both times for auto theft. It was stated on Biography.com that this is when he started to neglect his personal hygiene, but I feel like that was probably a forever thing. Like, I don't yep. think you just stop wa- like brushing your teeth. No, because and, by and the time washing. he was killing people, his teeth were fucking rotten. Yeah, nasty. and I feel like if you're not brushing, I he pro- his parents and his siblings and shit never taught him shit. No, so they no. probably weren't making sure that he was brushing his teeth and taking showers. He just didn't brush them. The drugs did yeah. not help. Right. And I guess, I read in one thing, he would just wake up and just drink Coke. Oh, wow. All day. I don't know. You should really drink water because that really flushes or you Or drink your pop. Yes, it's pop, not soda, if you want. But it is acid, especially yeah. the dark pop. That is acid. Just brush your teeth. Like, we're your mothers, okay? And string. String. <laughs> Use a straw. A yeah, plastic straws one. are better for your teeth. Don't be like Richard. <laughs> it was scary. Oh, his mouth. Yeah, it really fucking is. We'll put is. pictures everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
According to Wikipedia, quote, on April 10, 1984, Ramirez murdered nine-year-old May Leung in the basement of the hotel where he was living in the Tenderloin District of San Francisco. He raped and beat her before stabbing her to death, and then he hanged her body from a pipe. This is his first known killing. When I was researching this, I wasn't exactly sure if it was this nine-year-old named May or the, the the one that comes next. But then it turns out that at the time when all of this was happening, there was DNA evidence, but they weren't able to test it until 2009 when Ramirez's DNA was matched to a sample obtained at her crime scene. In 2016, officials disclosed evidence of a second suspect identified through a DNA sample retrieved from the scene who was believed to have been present at Leung's murder. Authorities have not publicly identified the suspect described as being a juvenile at the time and have not brought charges due to the lack of evidence. He's a, he is a low-level criminal. Yeah. So they did look into him. They had no evidence that he was there or in that in the the area at the time. So they really aren't sure why it was there. Yeah. There are theories that Dick had an accomplice. I'm calling Richard Dick this whole time just so you know. And police have kind of like downplayed this basically saying that yes, they found the DNA of this kid, but they can't prove he had anything to do with May Leung's murder. So I just wanted to throw that in there because if you do go down this rabbit hole, you're going to find stuff like this that he had a, a child accomplice. Yeah, which right. it's it's not proven. So we're not going to talk much more about it. No. 79-year-old Jenny Vinkow was next. Jenny had moved to L.A. in 1981 after a bad dispute with one of her sons. According to the L.A. Times, this son was very mentally ill, and for some reason or another, she just had to get away and start fresh. She came from New York. So she moved into the same apartment complex as her other son, Jack Vincow. The last time Jack saw his mother alive was on June 27, 1984, because on June 28th, Dick Ramirez broke into her apartment, violently sexually assaulted her, stabbed her repeatedly, and cut her throat so severely that she was almost decapitated. Fucking hate him. Her son Jack found her body in her bed 24 hours later. After this, Dick waited almost nine months to strike again. So this was 1985 now. Doesn't that just make you feel like he clearly could fucking suppress this beast yeah. that was inside him, but he yeah. chose not to. Yeah, because then now it's a fucking spree mm-hmm. from this point on. And this was all around the same time my dad was living in California. So they lived in the same area at the same time. Yeah. And he'll tell me this every fucking time I bring up Dick Ramirez, which you wouldn't think is a whole lot, but <laughs> I bring him up a lot. At around 11.30 p.m. on March 17th, 85, 22-year-old Maria Hernandez pulled her car into the garage of her Rosemead, California home and stepped out. She was about to go inside her home when she heard a weird noise coming from behind her. When she turned around, Dick was standing there pointing a gun directly at her. Can you imagine? I would shit my fucking pants. Same. She didn't have much time to react. And I mean, what's, what's she going to do anyway? You know, right. he's standing right there with the gun. So she put her hand up as Dick walked right up to her, pointed the gun directly at her face and shot her from about one foot away. This is a direct quote by Maria from the LA Time archives. And yes, it's a quote because Maria fucking survived. Good. Quote, I put my right hand up for protection. I heard a shot. I felt a cross between pain and heat on my right hand. I fell to the ground. End quote. See, Maria was holding her keys in her hand, the one that she brought to her face, and the bullet ricocheted off of them. So after Maria hit the ground, Dick opened the door to her condo, so the entrance door inside of the garage Mm -hmm. that led into the condo. 
and he dragged her body behind it. Maria heard another gunshot, so she got up, ran out of her garage. She saw Dick walking away while she was hiding behind a car, but he noticed her, and he pointed the gun at her again. She begged him not to shoot her again, and he simply lowered the gun and left. Doesn't that make you wonder why? Like, maybe he thought, I don't know, maybe there are people, I don't know. Once Maria was sure he was gone, she went into her condo. Inside, she found her roommate, Dale Okazaki, who was 34, dead of a gunshot wound to her forehead. So after he shot Maria, not realizing that he didn't kill her, he went in and shot the roommate. Yeah. Within an hour of shooting Maria and murdering Dale, apparently he just wasn't satisfied about how that whole thing went down. And this was only about two miles from that condo. Dick dragged 30-year-old Sileon Yu, if I'm saying that wrong, I'm sorry, out of her car in Monterey Park, shot her twice, and ran away. She was pronounced dead when they got her to the hospital. She just fucking pulled her out of her car and shot her. Ten days later, March 27, 1985, Dick decided to go back to a house that he'd already burglarized a year prior in Whittier, California. A fucking home invasion is my biggest fear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Around 2 a.m., he shot 64-year-old Vincent Zazara in the head while he was sleeping. The gunshot woke Vincent's wife, 44-year-old Maxine, and Dick proceeded to bind her, beat her, and demanded to know where she kept her valuables. While Dick was dicking around looking for shit to steal, Maxine wiggled out of her binding and grabbed a shotgun from under yes, the bed. Yes, Maxine. Right. But it wasn't loaded. Fuck. This pissed Dick off and he ended up shooting Maxine three times. God damn. Yep. He grabbed a big carving knife from the kitchen, stabbed her, then gouged out her eyes, <sighs> put them in a fucking jewelry box, and took them with him. Of course he did. What are you going to do with the eyes? Why? 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 Because I- <clears throat> he's fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. The dumbass left his footprints, Avia tennis shoes, outside of the home, and police were able to get photos, and they made, like, a cast of the footprints. Yeah. This was really the only evidence they had to go on at this point, and they, these weren't connected yet. And why did he do that? His tennis, leave his yeah, footprints? like, on he's purpose? a fucking idiot. No. Or, I don't know, maybe he just didn't realize that he did. These sh- fucking shoes, and, like, how many people owned a pair of these shoes? Probably a fucking shit ton. Every man. Yep in the world so maybe that's why maybe he well you know he was out of his fucking mind on like coke and pcp so maybe he i don't know they were able to match bullets from the scene to those found at the other scenes is and this is when they made the connection that they had a serial killer on the loose may 14th dick went back to monterey park and broke into the home of 66 year old bill doy and his disabled wife fuck you 56 year old lillian like this fucking punk ass bitch i don't (sighs) all right he snuck up on Bill in his bedroom and shot him in the face and beat him. Then Dick went into Lillian's room, bound her hands with thumb cuffs, scurried around like a little rat looking for shit to steal, and then raped her, and he left her alive. I don't know why he would leave some of them alive either. I feel like especially for the couples that he left alive, mm-hmm. he did it because he knew that they would be in pain forever. Yeah. Either that or it's like a circumstantial thing. Like maybe he heard something and decided he had to run or maybe he, I don't know. Well, some of them he thought that he killed too mm-hmm. and he didn't. May 29th, Dick stole a Mercedes Benz, took a joyride to Monrovia, California, and ended up at the home of 83-year-old Mabel Bell. Mabel! And her 80-year-old sister, Florence Ling, who was also disabled. He found a hammer in the kitchen, went to Florence's bedroom, tied her up, and used that hammer to bludgeon her. I fucking hate that. Mm-hmm. I hate this guy. Yeah. He did the same thing to Mabel, and then he shocked her with an electric cord. He went back to rape Florence, and then he grabbed a tube of Mabel's lipstick and used it to draw a pentagram on her thigh. 
and on the walls of their rooms. Both Mabel and Florence were found alive, but comatose two days later. Mabel later died from her injuries. Fucking Christ. May 30th, the very next day, Dick drove the stolen car to Burbank. He broke into the home of 42-year-old Carol Kyle, put her and her 11-year-old little boy in handcuffs, shoved the boy into a closet, and then he ravaged the house looking for more shit to take. I guess he couldn't find anything, so he let Carol out of her handcuffs so she could, like, show, you know, he wanted her to show him where they hid everything, where they kept everything. But then he sodomized her instead. And Dick told her over and over again, don't look at me, don't look at me. He said he'd gouge her eyes out if she did. He then got the little boy out of the closet, bound the mother and son together with the handcuffs, and fled. So, it's just, he's got no M.O. No, no, not at all. He's just a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. July 2nd, I'm glad he didn't touch that kid. Me too. July 2nd, he drove a Toyota, which he also stole, to Arcadia, California. He chose the house of 75-year-old widow Mary Cannon this time. He broke in and found her sleeping in her room. He grabbed a lamp and bludgeoned her with it until she lost consciousness. See, in there, he could have just fucking went around getting shit yeah. and leave. No, he had like that need to kill. Because he just overkill, too. He'll kill right. people and then, and then right. cut them up. Okay. And then he found a 10-inch butcher knife in the kitchen and stabbed her repeatedly. She was found deceased at the scene. July 5th, Dick went to Sierra Madre and broke into the home of 16-year-old Whitney Bennett. She was also asleep in her room, and he proceeded to bludgeon her with a fucking tire iron. He looked for a knife in the kitchen, because he just had to stab her too, course, you know? why not? But he couldn't find one, so he resorted to strangling her with a phone cord. But this phone cord started to spark during it, and he stopped. He noticed Whitney was breathing. He thought that this meant Jesus H. Christ had stepped in to save her. So he ran away. Whitney survived. She needed almost 500 stitches on her scalp because of that tire iron. So by this point, there was enough consistent reports going around the L.A. Police Department from victims who'd survived that they started to cross-reference the sex offender database with what they knew. Their general profile was bad teeth, about six feet tall, Hispanic, shaggy black hair, and size 11 and a half shoe. They came up with a composite sketch, which we'll share on the pages, and that sketch is fucking scary. July 7th, Dick went back to Monterey Park and broke into the home of 61-year-old Joyce Nelson. Joyce was sleeping on her couch, and Dick beat her with his own hands and kicked her repeatedly on the head, killing her. But he left that same avia footprint on her face, sadly enough, Aww. but they saw it and they it matched so then he went to go check out some other neighborhoods that same night but he decided no i like monterey park so he went back and broke into the home of 63 year old sophie dickman he handcuffed her at gunpoint tried to rape her and then went looking around the house for more things to steal he grabbed her jewelry and sophie told him you know like you've got everything that's worth anything she didn't have anything else that she could give him so he made her swear on satan that she was telling the truth Okay. I would swear on him any day. Right. <laughs> but this that was like a big deal back then. You know, like the whole satanic panic thing going on. Yeah, and I it wasn't so. like, it was like shocking then. Yeah. July 20th, Dick went and bought himself a machete. Of course he did. Fucking loser. Yeah. Honestly. He drove his... Who does he think he is? <laughs> right? Michael fucking Myers. <laughs> he drove his stolen car to Glendale. And this time he picked the home of 66-year-old Leela Needing and her 68-year-old husband, Maxon. 
He hacked them up with his loser machete and shot them both in the head and then mutilated their bodies even more with his loser machete before ransacking the house for valuables and driving to Sun Valley. There, he broke into the house of the Covenant family at around 4.15 a.m. He found 32-year-old Shinarong. I'm probably butchering that. He found 32-year-old Shinarong asleep. Dick shot him in the head, killing him instantly. He then found his partner, Somkid, bound her, beat her, and repeatedly raped and sodomized her. He also bound the couple's eight-year-old son before... before he decided to pull some kid around the house and demanded to know where they kept all their valuables. He also made her swear to Satan that she wasn't lying. Some kid and the eight-year-old boy were left alive. August 8th, Dick went to Northridge, California and chose the home of 35-year-old Chris and 27-year-old Virginia Peterson. He shot them both in the head, but Chris fought back. Chris dodged more bullets, but Dick gave up and fled. Both Chris and Virginia survived their injuries. Sometime after 2.30 a.m. on August 8th, Dick broke into the Diamond Bar home of 27-year-old Sakina Abawath and her husband, 31-year-old Elias. They were asleep in their room, and Dick shot Elias in the head, killing him instantly. He then bound Sakina, beat her, raped her, sodomized her, demanded to know where their valuables were. He also made her swear on Satan and told her not to scream while he attacked her. Oh, here, let me fucking rape you and beat yeah. you and sodomize you, but you can't yeah. fucking scream. Don't make a fucking sound. Fuck you. Sakina and Elias' three-year-old little boy walked in during this. No, he didn't. Uh-huh. And nope. Dick tied him up right there in the room and continued to rape Sakina. After Dick left, Sakina untied her son and sent him to a neighbor's house to ask for help. This three-year-old little boy had to go fucking ask for help. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, my fucking heart. I also don't think I could... I mean, I know that she was in, like, fight-or-flight mode. I'd be terrified to send him out. Her husband... Yeah, I know. And her husband was laying there shot to death. Ugh. And she probably couldn't fucking even move, I bet. Uh, Yeah, I don't know the the extent of her injuries. I'm sure it was awful. I'm sure if she could have went over sending her three-year-old, she would have. God. So Dick was all over the news at this point. They didn't know him yet. They didn't know it was him. But he was keeping track of all the coverage, and he knew that if he was going to keep up like this fucking shit show, he had to do it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. This prompted him to head up to the Bay Area. On August 18th, he broke into the home of Peter and Barbara Pan, who were in their 60s, and he shot Peter, who was asleep in the head. He beat and raped Barbara before shooting her in the head, too. Dick once again used a tube of lipstick to draw a shitty-ass pentagram on the wall, and he also wrote the words, Jack the Knife. The ballistics and the ugly-ass avia shoe print matched the L.A. crime scenes, so police knew pretty quickly that he was here now, but San Fran's mayor decided to go live on TV and announce this connection and let the whole damn world know about the matching evidence, so police were fucking pissed. They knew Dick was watching the news, and now Dick knew that they knew, (laughs) and now Dick knew that he couldn't be sloppy anymore. He couldn't leave his avia footprints or use the same gun, so that very night, he went on top of the Golden Gate Bridge and chucked his size 11 and a half avia tennis shoes over the side. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. He stayed in the Bay Area for a couple days, and then he went back to L.A., Oh, guys, take a breath. Take a breath. Center yourself. This is a lot. It really fucking is. I fucking hate. Mm -hmm. This guy is one of the biggest pieces of shit that we've talked about. Yep. On August 24th, 
He drove his stolen orange, by the way, like pick a fucking different color, you idiot, Toyota to Mission Viejo. He attempted to break into the Romero house, but 13-year-old James was awake. He heard Dick, woke up his parents, and Dick ran away. James was able to get a partial license plate number, 482T, and the color, make, and model of the stolen Toyota, and they called it into the police. After that, Dick broke into the house of 30-year-old Bill Carnes and his 29-year-old fiance Inez Erickson. He found them sleeping in their bed, and he shot Bill three times in the head. Dick looked to Inez, told her he was the night stalker. Okay. Oh, fucking you're so loser. fucking cool. Picking your own stupid-ass fucking nickname. I hate you. I hate when people fucking give themselves nicknames. Yeah. Okay, Especially Dick. him. Yep. He bound- Your name is fucking <laughs> Richard. Dick. Okay. <laughs> Your name is Richard. Like, come on. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. He bound her with neckties, beat her, and forced her to swear that she loved Satan. He stole whatever he could find, whatever valuables he could find. Then he pulled Inez into another room to rape and sodomize her. He made her once again swear on Satan that he had everything of value from the house. And before he left, he told Inez, quote, tell them the Night Stalker was here, end quote. <laughs> You're so <laughs> fucking, fucking hate lame. I can just imagine him with his shitty fucking teeth and his bad fucking breath. Tell them the night stalker. No, he's probably like, tell them the night stalker was here. <laughs> hey, hey, Inez, could you please, could you please tell the police that the night stalker yeah, was I'm here? Yeah, I'm just trying to overcompensate, you know? Fucking dork. Fucking <laughs> dingus. God. Inez survived, and so did Bill. Wow. They removed uh, two bullets from his head. Good on you, Bill. Isn't that fucking nuts? What a fucking savage. Mm-hmm. Classy, bougie, nasty. <laughs> Uh, rock star inez was able to give police a full description of dick yes and they got another shoe print cast from the scene at the romero yes girl they found the stolen car on august 28th they actually had 13 year old james romero come identify it so he's a little badass too he fucking is and while dick had thoroughly wiped the car down they were able to lift one single fingerprint from the rear view mirror this fingerprint matched that of Dick Ramirez. Yes, because he was getting arrested since like mm-hmm. 1960 when he was born. Yep, he already had a super long rap sheet before all of this with things like theft, drug and traffic violations and all the shit you talked about. The cops released an ugly ass mugshot from an arrest for car theft the year before to the media and at a press conference they stated, we know who you are now and soon everyone else will. There will be no place you can hide fucking get them boys get them boys so dick tried to go to arizona to visit his brother and he'd spent most of that friday on and off of greyhound buses and trying to get a hold of his brother on payphones. he made it to tucson and that meant that he hadn't seen the news which his face and his name was all over yeah he didn't see the newspaper that his mugshot was on the front page of he had no idea that they knew his identity now no fucking clue good so he was unable to contact his brother he hopped back on a bus to go back to LA just before 8 a.m. that Saturday. He had no he didn't know that millions of people would be there like waiting looking for him. Right. They knew exactly who to look for. Fucker. Once Dick got back, he actually walked right past some officers who were waiting at the station, like at the Greyhound bus station. I don't know what they I don't know if they just didn't see him, but and he ended up inside a corner store in East LA. He overheard a group of women pointing and calling him El Matador. Or the, mm-hmm. the killer. He picked up a newspaper, saw his gross face right there on the front page. He looked around, dropped it, and fled. 
He took off across the Santa Ana freeway, tried to carjack a woman, but bystanders were not having any of this Mm -hmm. shit. They chased him away, and not only did they run him off, but they kept chasing him as he hopped fences and darted through people's yards, and the angry mob grew. One of them even began striking him on the head with a metal fence post. I love this part Mm -hmm. of the story. Because it's like everyone just fucking worked their their little asses together, and they were going to fucking get him once and again for all. They were done being afraid of him and they yep. were done with him being yep. a fucking prickle. the citizens held him down and beat him until the cops came and arrested him and i have no doubt that they would have killed him if the cops didn't get there oh yeah fucking for sure no, they would have fucking killed him so dick sat in jail until 1988 while investigators built their case and at his first court appearance he raised his hand and revealed a pentagram drawn on his palm and yelled hail satan you know that like infamous picture yeah, of him in court fucking idiot uh-huh he was even overheard by jail employees saying he was going to shoot and kill the prosecutor. He was going to smuggle a gun into the courtroom. Like, yeah, right. Okay, what, up yeah. your fucking asshole? Yeah, yeah, uh. Just all just all kinds of stupid ass shit. But September 20th, 1989, Dick was convicted of all charges. 13 counts of murder, 5 attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. And he was sentenced to death in the gas chamber. After his sentencing, he told reporters, quote, Big deal. Death always came with the territory. See you in Disneyland. End quote. Wow. You're so freaking edgy, dick. And honestly, hell probably is Disneyland. <laughs> right? Because I fucking hate that place. <laughs> and if I go to hell, uh-huh. that's exactly what it's going to be. 105 million degrees mm-hmm. and it's gonna have people swarming all over the place with goddamn mickey mouse mm-hmm. ears on and if you want to do anything you got to wait in line with these fucking smelly ass strangers for four hours and you have to pay 29.50 yeah for a goddamn hot dog goddamn wiener fuck i'll pay you 29.50 to take that wiener <laughs> away <laughs> from me dick also had fangirls believe it or not I don't understand this at all, but they would visit him and write him letters and be gross. And Doreen Leoy had been writing him since his arrest in 85. Doreen, honey. Mm -hmm. Dick proposed to her in 88, the year he was convicted. And the two were married in San Quentin State Prison in 1996. Ew. Doreen was always like, I'm going to commit suicide when they kill Dick. But she eventually left him. And by the time of his death, he was engaged again to a 23-year-old writer. Like, girls, stop. You don't don't want this dick. No, you truly fucking don't. Ew, I I can't stand. I'm sorry. If you're writing to people in prison, like trying to start a relationship (sighs) with someone. It's a thing. I can't get behind it. I don't know. I don't. It's mainly women who do it to men, and I Uh don't understand. But you know what? Girls did it to like um, what's his name, Peterson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like, oh, I'm gonna be the one to fix him to change him. No, you're fucking not. When you said Doreen, whatever. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, she probably thinks she can be the one to patch up all of his little daddy and mommy and brother and brother-in-law issues. Yep. And fix them. Well, you can't fucking fix people like that. Dick tried appealing and he was denied, but California's appeal process is really long, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he even had pending appeals up until his death on June 7th, 2013. He didn't die by execution, but of lymphoma at 53 years old. He'd sat on death row for over 23 years. Dick had scored 31 out of 40 on Harris' checklist, which means he was a psychopath, basically. I really want to take that test. I know. Is it free to the general public? (laughs) I don't know. I would love to know. (laughs) Yeah. 
Other mental illnesses that could have been present include sociopathy, narcissism, ASPD, which is antisocial personality disorder, hello, sadism, and schizoid traits, perhaps schizophrenia. All of this was made worse by cocaine, LSD, and PCP, not to mention all the childhood shit, and I'm in no way excusing anything he did, but there are reasons why people are the way that they are. Um, I hope his cancer and his death were painful. The end. Bye, Dick. Bye, Dick. Later, <sighs> Dick. Man, it's um, a rough one. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times people think that drugs... You're going to hear Nora screaming, and it's fine. I think that a lot of times people think that drugs mask mental illnesses, but a lot of times they amplify them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people resort to them because they, they don't like what's going on in their head. Right. They need they to get want, out. Exactly. They, they need want to, to check it. the fuck out. Yep. I don't know. I fucking hated that. Mm-hmm. I really... That was painful. He is one of the ones that fascinates me. It doesn't really fascinate me. Like, I hate him. But it's just the fact that he didn't give a fuck. He would yeah. go into just whatever house he decided to go into. He didn't he care. He just had a lot of rage. Yeah. And it was maybe, like, as he grew up and as he maybe saw other people in the world he realized Mm. that he had a really fucking terrible time yeah and that everything he had was not the normal way to live and that just pissed him off to the point where he just fucking decided he was done with all people yeah not an excuse he's a piece of shit yeah but i feel like that could have definitely been part of it maybe seeing all that stuff as a kid kind of just like desensitized him to it right i mean number one his dad beat him right and then even you have your cousin telling you Vietnam fucking war stories, yeah. showing you pictures of the people that he killed. Right. A, a picture of someone who he fucking beheaded. Right. You have your fucking brother-in-law who's goddamn teaching you how to break into homes, mm-hmm. quote unquote, properly. Right. It just yep. was a recipe for a fucking disaster. Yep. So are you reading, watching, or listening to anything this week? Well, I am reading My Burning Depths volume one by kaylee that just came out today yep i think i'm on like the 10th poem or something she actually sent me an art copy and things have just been fucking crazy so i didn't get to read it but i actually Mm -hmm. pre-ordered it too yeah so it showed up on my kindle bright dinner like this morning Lovely. and we will link that down in the show notes below i am still reading rewrite the star <laughs> are you fucking kidding me <laughs> i'm also reading two self-help books oh. i fucking hate self-help books i'm sorry yeah i hate them which what are you reading number one is how not to hate your husband after kids that is by <laughs> yeah my therapist recommended that oh as you can tell <laughs> we're doing really well um <laughs> that is by it looks like jancy duncan i'm probably hmm. oh, no jancy dunn and the second one that i'm reading is called becoming us by ellie taylor okay and really i've just been telling my um therapist that my husband has been driving me insane yeah and partially like rightfully so but then also like i'm just getting very irritable for no reason about mm-hmm. things Um, which could definitely be like hormones or could just be my personality. I'm not really sure, (laughs) but I'm going to try these books and see if they fucking do anything. I'm not expecting them to. Well, they have like good little nuggets in them. Like that make me go, oh, wow, (laughs) I'm a raging cunt. (laughs) But then they have other things that I'm like, oh, wow, I'm not fucking alone. He is a piece of shit. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. No, but I think after you have children, it is hard to figure out yeah what the fuck you're doing your whole world changes and yeah. the relationship that you had is not the relationship that you're in now it's just not and I, it's, it's yeah different. and i think it's really cool to see you kind of become different people yeah because you're now like 
talking to a baby. Yeah, and you get and to see... And everything is different. Yeah, you get to see how your partner is going to react when they don't fucking sleep at all. Like, exactly. You know, like, you see so many exactly. different sides. Exactly. So, um, I love my husband very much, but he's on my last fucking But nerve. you don't always have to fucking like him. And half the time I don't. <laughs> and he doesn't like me either. So, I'm reading How Not to Hate Your Husband <laughs> so I can just not like him and not just hate him. Gotcha. He should probably read one called How Not to Hate Your Wife, too. Watching and listening... I'm not fucking watching shit. Yeah. And I haven't listened to a podcast in a thousand years. Yeah. Because sad, my life is just all over the damn place. Everything's just so weird. I bought a couple really cute little green plants, though. Yeah. To fun. bring life into my fun. life. What are you reading, watching, listening to? Um, I started reading Revelry by Carmen Jenner. Um, It's good so far. It's not something I would typically pick, but the cover. What's the genre? It's romance. Ooh, um, look at you. Why'd you pick that? Because I love the cover. Oh. <laughs> the, but I like the little the little thing on the cover says, he's adored by millions. She's not even loved by her cat. Oh. And that got my attention. But um, I think it's part of a series. I don't know. It was recommended in some group. So I just downloaded it. Um, Not watching anything because I spent this whole past week. Oh, I'm reading Save the Cat still. Is but, it good? Because I've Yeah. I really like how it's it. written. It's written like relatably and interesting. It's not like fucking boring. Like first you do this. <laughs> first you, you need to put that. your pen on the no, paper. It's really like actually like engaging, which is important with nonfiction books um, <laughs> and fiction books. Um, no, this whole past week I spent um, pretty much finishing Raven's Grove Redemption and making sure we didn't <laughs> miss our, our mm-hmm. editing slot again. So I haven't really been watching anything. Gilmore Girls for like the 20th time in a fucking row uh-huh it's always on for background noise we play yeah. it until it's done and then we start it over okay if you want to email us email us some stories for our minisodes whatever Please you want do that a haunting um a true crime anything you want you can do that at cruel and unusual the pod at gmail.com that's our instagram too at cruel and unusual the pod on our Facebook, which Katie will tell you about, or I can just fucking tell you about, we are doing a contest, kind of, but not really a contest. Yeah, we need your help voting on a sticker design, because these stickers, whatever one wins is going to be made and printed and up for order by us, from us, to you, and... With a cute little note. Yes, and all 100% of the proceeds are going to go towards end the backlog this time. And we're going to do this periodically for different Mm -hmm. um, organizations, too. So you need to go on our Instagram and vote there or come in the group, Cruel and Unusual the group, and vote there or on our page and vote there. Just fucking vote. It doesn't mean you're buying one, but you should. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. You definitely do not have to buy one just because you vote on your favorite. It's just whichever one wins is the one that we're going to make. Mm -hmm. And then it will be up for order. Yeah. and it's for a good fucking cause. Yeah, it's and just if you something don't, fun. You know what? You get a sticker out of it and they're pretty cool looking. And if you don't know what end the backlog is, I've done a couple posts about it and I think you put it up in the sticker mm-hmm. post. Yeah, too. it's all on there. Yep. We also have a Twitter and that is at Cruel Unusual Pod. And I like to joke about the Twitter, but I've been tweeting a lot recently. Twitter's so been great lately. Me. How fun. Um, you can see all of our sources and stuff at crueling.com. Dot com. I have a couple books coming out and we also have Redemption coming out. So all that stuff will be on the website too. Yeah, everything is everywhere. All right, everybody. The rain, the sound of the rain is making me have to pee my pants. I know. I know. <laughs> I all right. I love <laughs> Oh, fuck. You're killing everything. Sorry. <laughs> okay, dick. All right. Love, love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.